and welcome back to Real Clear with Dr. Klein, the crossroads of politics and psychology. If you would like to listen to ad-free episodes and have access to daily and weekly releases, essays, and other membership perks, and you also want to help in the production of this program, go to realclearpodcast.com and click subscribe. There are a lot of places in this world where you can put your money, and so I thank you for considering membership to realclearpodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Good morning, folks. It is October 17th, 2023. I must confess to you from the outset, I am feeling demoralized and I'm feeling somewhat depressed this morning. I don't truly want to record this episode, but I know I have to. We live in a country where it's more like the upside down than the real world, where there is no such thing as good or evil, where it is clearly present. And I'm loath to use those words myself at times as an academic and where subjectivism and context rules the hearts and minds, unfortunately, of so many. There is no evil, there is no bad action or bad actors anymore, it seems, to the American left, certainly at the higher rungs of academia. There is just context. And what are the implications here? Well, we're seeing the implications of this kind of mindset present in real time. To witness the atrocities committed by the barbaric terrorists against the Israeli people, is hard enough. And then to see the denial and equivocation in the Western world regarding these acts and making them somehow analogous and parallel to the actions of the Israeli state and even the IDF is very hard to watch, and it's crazy. I'm going to give you examples today that are going to be very difficult to listen to as to just why it is crazy to make an equivocation between the Israeli people and even the IDF, and Hamas, and the Palestinian actions. But before I get into that, I want to make one theoretical and framework point clear to you. We are dealing with a world right now that is struggling between two poles, and those poles could roughly be defined as contextualism and subjectivity versus empiricism and objectivity. This is what you see coming from academia at present. It's not just some twisted worldview that has arisen spontaneously in response to evil incarnate in the form of Hamas. That's not what we're seeing, although in some cases that is present. What we're seeing is a long tradition in academia right now, across the United States and across uh, Western Europe, where subjectivity and contextualism has ruled the day. And what do I mean by that? I mean a viewpoint that there is no such thing as bad actors, that there's no internal world of the human being responsible for each individual's actions at the end of the day. There is just a series of positionality and context that produces everyone's station in life. And therefore, if there is a bad actor, if there's a criminal, if there's a miscreant, if there's a degenerate, that somehow there is just context to explain every action at the individual level. This has been brewing in academia for many decades. And it's showing its ugly head right now. This is why we have, one of the reasons why we have these disgusting demonstrations in America equivocating between Palestine and Israel, Hamas, and the IDF. And as I'd mentioned, I'm going to read through some things today that you can't turn away from. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to think about them. But we have to as a people because we just witnessed the greatest atrocity against the Jewish state and the Jewish people since really 
since the Holocaust. And there are people in America in positions of prominence denying that this is the case. We are witnessing a real clarity moment. And as I'd mentioned a few episodes back, it is time for an American political realignment. It is time for a cultural realignment between the decent and the indecent, most principally. But I also think classical liberals need to wake up at this point and realize who their true allies are and who their innate and true enemies are in an ideological sense. This doesn't mean you have to become tribal against people in your country, but it might mean that you have to stand up straight and speak plainly, as some very wealthy donors and organizations are starting to do against Harvard and other universities like Penn. That's right, we never thought we would see this come, but finally, good liberals are standing up and saying, no more, you're not going to do this anymore, and guess what, we're pulling our funds from your college. At Harvard, where 30 student groups organized in support of Palestine and Hamas against the Jewish state and the Jewish people, right after this horrible atrocity, finally, classical liberals are pushing back. And I think that's just the beginning of what needs to happen. In searching for evidence as to the atrocities in Israel, Google is starting to remove images and evidence. Why would they do that? Why can't we make up our own minds and view the evidence and the terror for what it is and the terrorists for what they are? Are they worried that we will think that maybe Hamas is not entirely distinct from the Palestinian people? How could that be, by the way? I certainly do not want to see innocents on either side die. It's just horrible what is about to unfold and the vengeance that Israel must take. But it must take it, in my opinion. The idea that Hamas is some kind of discrete force separate from the Palestinian people is like saying the U.S. military bears no resemblance to its people. It's kind of an odd idea. It certainly does not represent the survey data that we understand about the viewpoints of the Palestinian and the general surrounding areas of Israel against Israel. Another question is, is deterrence the only long-term plan for the Middle East with Israel? What I mean by this is, is it likely that all that's going to happen is that Israel will be able to deter its surrounding enemy neighbors for decades at a time. But then every so often, there are going to be all-out periods of war that follow atrocities. But there's, no go- there's not going to be a sort of peacetime or a singular solution to find a way for that area to live in harmony. Well, let's get back to the main question at hand. Is there such a thing as evil in the world? Or is there just context and positionality? In other words, unfortunate people born in the wrong place, wrong time, or undergoing oppression, which the left is uh, usually very eager to point out and use as the explanation for acts that would otherwise be labeled as evil. Okay, that's the question. Is there just context and history and environmental pressures, or is there actual individual responsibility for behaviors on earth? These questions largely delineate, certainly left and right, but I think at this moment probably should start delineating classical, reasonable people from the modern radical left. And so let's go through what has actually happened in the fallout and following periods of time from the Hamas massacre of the Israeli people. I'm going to talk about something that actually makes me shake as I read this, Uh, According to TV9 Network, a 
pregnant woman in southern Israel was found by Hamas terrorists and they dissected her body. Her stomach was cut open and they took the fetus out with the umbilical cord. They let the unborn child die slowly out of its mother's womb. Moving on, there were murdered babies found throughout the kibbutz. I would also suggest that you watch Anderson Cooper's recent segment on the area of kibbutz. Uh, He went and found bomb shelters and talked with people who survived Hamas, throwing grenades into crowded rooms of people trying to survive the massacre. One man actually took a video as he was surviving grenade blasts inside a tiny bunker where approximately 30 people were being killed in front of his eyes. You can actually see the video of the beginning and the aftermath. Um, AC-360 cut out the middle ground because it was just too gruesome. Blood-soaked ground, blood-soaked walls, blood-soaked car seats. Everything is evidence of a massacre. Men and women were found burned alive. Young women were raped and slaughtered. And soldiers were beheaded. This is the ISIS of Palestine. So let me ask you this question as we return to the main question. Is there just context and positionality and environmental pressures Or is there individual responsibility at some level, regardless of context and environmental pressures? If you think that there is just context, that you're lucky to be where you are, and I agree you are and I am too, but if there's just context, can you imagine yourself, I guess, cutting open the stomach of a pregnant woman, dissecting her body, and removing her fetus? I guess you're saying if you just believe in positionality, and in subjective experience, over anything empirical or on the level of individual responsibility, you're saying that at some level you can imagine yourself doing that too. This is somewhat of a separate question as to could you have been an obedient German and gone along with the movement of the Third Reich in the 1930s versus would you have been one of the few who stood up against it? This is really more of a question of when it comes down to the moment, would you be a barbarian cutting open a pregnant woman, burning people, raping, pillaging, setting innocent live people ablaze? Could you imagine doing that? This is the kind of thing that we have heard about in Genghis Khan, where they would rove through the countryside, killing everyone, burning their bodies and stacking their skulls. So we know that this has happened in humanity, maybe even it was the rule of barbaric war. But if that's the case, then what we're acknowledging is that the Palestinian people who gave rise to Hamas have a culture that is completely regressed and primitive. And then what do you do with such a people? How do you make sense? How do you bring them into the fold of humanity? Is that possible? And how do you make sense even more of the American response Black Lives Matter in Chicago created an I stand with Palestine meme, even with a paragliding terrorist flying into Israel with a gun. This is an absolute endorsement of the killing. We had Congressman, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib displaying a Palestinian flag at her office. We had, again, 30 student groups at Harvard displaying support for Hamas and Palestine. They have since renounced and this is a first, they're actually backpedaling. So classical liberals are doing a good job. I would urge you to join your fellow reasonably minded conservatives in your viewpoint of what is right and what is wrong. 
You don't usually hear me talking in, in this way because what is right and what is wrong often does have context. But my point is that if good or if what is deemed to be positive, maybe in a theological sense, could be transcendently good, then what is evil must be transcendently bad, meaning transcendent in the sense that you can't make sense of it. It transcends and defies rational frameworks. So I don't think that there is a way to make sense with Hamas. I don't think necessarily there's a way to make sense with the killing culture that has given rise to it. It is radical to the level of Genghis Khan. And what does that mean for the Middle East conflict, for the Israeli state and its surrounding neighborhood relations? What does it mean for the immediate war that is on hand? There are some very strange claims being made by the, what I might call the restraintists at this time, the people calling for proportionality. That's how you know someone has really lost the scale at this point. When you talk about the Israel war with Hamas and Palestine, and you hear people say, well, it's a disproportionate response. I think Douglas Murray had the greatest response to this, which was when you hear people talk about proportionality, I guess that means Israel should try to locate a music festival in Gaza and rape precisely the number of women that Hamas raped, kill precisely the number of people that Hamas killed. They should go door to door and kill precisely the correct number of babies that Hamas killed. Unquote from Douglas Murray. As always, he's laser focused. And there are others. I would uh, encourage you to go to Powerline blog. I would encourage you to go to Jewish World Review. I would encourage you to listen to Victor Davis Hanson, amongst others. And of course, keep listening to me. If you find what I'm doing here to be worthy of your listenership. And in the coming weeks and months ahead, we have a challenge in front of us. And that is going to be not to lose focus and memory as to what actually happened, who instigated and caused this war, and what happened to the Jewish people at the hands of radical barbaric terrorists. The left and the media circuit is going to move away from a memory of what happened to the Jewish state and its people, and they're going to start talking more and more, as they have been, about proportionality and about the actions of the IDF and so forth. If you watch PBS NewsHour, there is almost no memory present in the current news circuit as to what instigated and started the war. You can turn to certain news sources that I just described for a constant stream of reality but you've got to search for them. And it's going to be, I think, the responsibility of all of us listening here to tune in to the reality on the ground, not to become obsessed with it, but to make sure that you preserve your own memory. Because what is a collection of humans except a collection of memory? How do we have a cohesive view of life without memory? So don't let Google suppress your capacity to look at reality on the ground, find it where it exists, there are some reliable sources on X, formerly known as Twitter, that are showing the news feeds and now the surfaced videos as to the atrocities and horrors as to what transpired. I don't think you should look at them if you are um, not able to tolerate it, but on some level, none of us are able to tolerate it. And we must. We can't turn away from real trauma where it happens. And so, and of course, a confounding and terrible issue is that the Palestinian people are certainly suffering greatly right now, and that the IDF has to go in and eradicate Hamas, and this will be at great cost to Gaza and the Palestinian people. And I don't see a way around this. It's a horrible reality of war and of what Hamas brought on the Palestinian people. No one wants to see it, at least I don't.
And that's also a reality that we have to tune into and make sure that we're taking account of. Okay, well, um, I'm sorry I was so downbeat today, but this is not a time to be upbeat. It's a time to be sober and judicious. Be well. I'll talk to you soon.